Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Empire. The one-on-one exclusive experience. It can happen virtually. From the fans' experience, they're going to go onto a fully branded website. It's going to feel like you're walking in. You can shop for merchandise while you're there. You could shop for tickets while you're there. Huh. You could put together your group package. That's Courtney Jeffries, CEO of Virtual Tables, where the platform opens a world of opportunity to connect. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Graham Weinstein. We aren't out of COVID, but we are doing things in person again. So it means the Zoom life can take a backseat to real interaction. But what the pandemic may have proven is there is a model for virtual events that will matter to fans, teams, and brands. And even if the world is reopened, it doesn't mean that gaining access is easy. Our guest this week is Courtney Jeffries. She's the CEO of Virtual Tables, which is a startup that provides tools to organizations to help bridge the gap between themselves and their global audiences. We're going to talk modern fan engagement with Courtney. Hey, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, I want to talk about your background in a little bit because you have, you have a very large background working with a number of different sports organizations. Um, but let's just start with Virtual Tables. What is it and, and what are you trying to accomplish? Virtual Tables is the virtual venue of fandom. And we recognize that there's a huge gap between global engagement and creating in-person experiences for the global audience. There aren't great tools to accomplish that and really deliver meaningful memory makers for fans while at the same time providing power and authority over the experiences for the brands. There's revenue, there's data collection, brand loyalty being left on the table without these kind of tools. So we want to solve that gap. So you want to, what, bridge the gap for those who either not local or cannot afford to go to the events to meet with the athletes, the coaches, brand ambassadors? How are are you kind of viewing what these events are? Yeah, that's right. And think about it in terms of any in-person experience that you would have as a part of your fandom. And this goes beyond sports. Uh, It could be a meet and greet. It can be a fan forum. It can be a fan fest. You shift gears into other industries. It could be a book signing and an author releasing a book. It can be uh, behind the scenes at a festival. There are elements of fandom that require you to be in person, and we think that those should be reexamined and delivered in a virtual environment. Okay. Um, How do you go about that? Because clearly there is a difference between seeing someone, meeting someone, being literally face-to-face with someone, and meeting them through Zoom or whatever it may be. No, absolutely. And there's certain platforms that are designed for that, right? We're on a Zoom platform right now. It's a bit more transactional. It's a bit more designed to conduct business. We want to have a platform that's optimized for fandom. So Mm. from the fans experience, they're going to go onto a fully branded website. It's going to feel like you're walking in. 
You can shop for merchandise while you're there. You could shop for tickets while you're there. You could put together your group package. And ultimately, when you meet a celebrity or meet the player of your choice, that player can actually sign their name over a digital item on a touchscreen device, and that comes through in real time for the fan. So quite literally creating a personalized live autograph. The fan can download it. They can share it around on social media. Um, We think it's a, a, a pretty important tool in bridging that gap. Okay, so here we are in January. Here locally, we have two Major League Baseball teams, the Orioles and the Nationals. They are already starting the pre-spring training fan fest throughout the area where people could show up, maybe meet the players. A couple of them are at a bowling alley, a couple of them are at a park, a couple of them are at all sorts of things. You're going to try to recreate this virtually and have these type of moments with people. That's right. And for us, and what we've learned through quite a bit of customer discovery, both on the fan side and on the brand or the team side, is meeting the player in any kind of venue is really driving those core memory makers. This is this goes beyond sort of the anonymous head down, hey, just sign whatever item I have after a game or outside of the stadium. We really want to make sure that the environment is a part of a communal environment. So it could be a one-on-one experience with a celebrity. But maybe I want to go with my buddies, right? Like we're a huge fan of X player and the five of us want to have our own one-on-one and each of us get a signed autograph experience. That's the kind of platform that we've created. Okay. Um, And how are you viewing, I don't know if you've gone there yet, but how are you viewing Web3 immersive experiences as you kind of think through this model of modern fan engagement? For us, it can absolutely expand well beyond just what we've created here. There are there are certain elements of fandom and certain elements of access that any fan is going to want to have. It's absolutely on our roadmap in terms of, you know, recreating the excitement of a player getting drafted and I want to go superimpose his jersey and have him sign an image of the two of us together in a selfie mode, right? Or yeah. I want to go shopping with the player. I want to go, um, I'm a part of his foundation and we're going to go, you know, fundraise together and go virtually knock on doors. There's any number of ways that this can grow. This is where we're starting here to prove the concept that fans globally who can't access in-person experiences for whatever reason, right, they have access and they have the opportunity to engage with the brand in that capacity. This is interesting. It sounds like you're going to the teams and potentially the athletes themselves and saying, we can create something for you instead of what we've heard here from a lot of other startups, which is we will make this collectible for you. You will sell it. We will make this for you. You will sell it. It sounds like you're just open-minded to whatever you think the fans want to engage. We're open to building that with you. Uh, that's exactly right. The, for us, we've created the, the venue. There are creative people that absolutely eclipse my level of creativity that want to take a white space and say, this is the kind of event we want to have. When somebody joins our platform and we have the data to know that they go with their family, this is what their experience should look like when they come in. Or we know that these guys go as a part of their business and this is their annual outing. This is what their experience should be like. That's the kind of venue and flexibility that we've created so that somebody can actually tailor the exact experience they want Honestly, the, the bottom line is to extract the lifetime value of the fan, right? If I go to games, if I go uh, experience a brand with my family, I'm not sure that I want the same experience that's delivered to a group of college kids. So for teams that are smart enough to leverage that kind of data, we want the venue to be as flexible as possible for them to deliver those moments. This also feels like the future of weddings to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I mean, and that's a part of what we're excited about in terms of the flexibility of where this could go and the other technology that's out there, right? We want to be best in class for a venue. There are other technology platforms out there that deliver other kind of gamification that could theoretically be integrated so that you're really creating this venue for everybody that has parts of it that apply to some and not others, but ultimately a very comprehensive experience. Okay. Can you give us some examples? Like when, when you work with teams, what are they saying they want to do? Well, we start with the goal. What do the teams actually want to accomplish out of their particular fan base? Are they trying to get new fans to database and identify fans within the global population that they haven't before? Are they simply trying to drive greater loyalty among their season ticket holders? Are they launching a product in which case they want to have something really splashy? We work with them to decide what exactly is the right kind of event that's going to optimize the talent, right? Have great scalability in what they're trying to deliver while having the meaningful touch point that ultimately they're trying to accomplish. So we've had brands that leverage us from a sweepstakes model simply to drive new client acquisition. We want to know who among our database belongs to us. We're going to make players available so that they can create one-on-one experiences. Uh, We have brands that are launching fan bases in other parts of the country, not within their own backyard. This is how they're delivering player access to the the fan base without having to fly all over or create kind of a pop-up experience. It's a little bit more economical. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, and I'm connected to an NFL football team, the voice of the Washington Commanders. Why is a team that isn't in the Super Bowl not holding their own virtual Super Bowl party? I would agree. I, you also, for me, there's, you know, kind of at the league level and looking at where games are being played overseas, there's a huge opportunity to engage those fan bases without having to put boots on the ground and do so in more of a, uh, you know, guerrilla marketing style, right? There's, there are opportunities to engage that fan base and deliver the access that they want or the exchange and the experience that they want. And this, by the way, this goes beyond just the players, right? I mean, there are some there's some major mythological elements to the coaching staff or the front office staff or some of these organizations that could leverage as well and make themselves much more available and sort of a town hall style. Even. Yeah. If they want to, I think, you know, that having worked that's with right. a number of organizations that that's not as simple as it sounds, getting everyone to either want to be available or share the information with everybody. This is true. This is true. But the flexibility exists. The way that we make money on our platform is a subscription style. So the idea being that you pay us a monthly fee, it's almost like your rent. Use the platform however you want. Use it to create whatever experiences that you want. So you have that flexibility. You want to do every Monday morning a a kind of town hall breakfast style with your fan base and put a, a member of the front office there. Terrific. You're not beholden to something. You don't feel like you have to spend it. Like this is your venue to use however you see fit. And it's always branded the way that you want it. The sponsor that's attached to it is always present and accounted for. Um, And again, like the other elements that you're trying to drive for your business are available to be optimized. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Let's talk about digital collectibles for a minute. Um, Sure. What are you seeing there as you, because uh, this is probably being incorporated in what you're doing. So give me a broad sense of where you see that going in 2023. We look at collectibles on the spectrum of one end being hyper memorabilia, nostalgia style, right? Um, on the other end of the spectrum, there is your speculative collectible resellable element, right? It's a, it's a very famous name. Doesn't matter where it came from, but it's authenticated. Um, if you put that, that X axis against a Y axis of one-on-one fandom all the way down to I'm a anonymous space in a room full of a thousand people, but we each get a giveaway that's authenticated at the end of the night, there's certain elements of it, what you would probably refer to as like a, a digital ownership or blockchain ownership that authenticates the digital item, right? Which is where we live with this autograph experience. Um, on our platform, you can have even a video clip autograph. It's not just a static image, right? It's not just a digital item. So for us, we try to make sure that whatever our value offering covers, at the very minimum, a digital ownership piece, but, but truly acknowledge what it is. Is this, is this a meet and greet between a fan and a player that's really just more important to that fan because they happen to have history or, or a memory or a particular moment with that player? Or is it more like, I was in the room where, you know, for example, an Aaron Judge is talking about his home run record, and then we each get some kind of autographed item that's authenticated at the end. There's collectability between both, but the value of it is either in the eyes of the holder as a one-on-one, or it has some speculative value if it's, you know, um, name recognition. Yeah, I, I get. So it's eyes of the beholder, and you're you're realizing right. that that. You know, I mean, I think we've learned that with all the digital collectibles, based on what the market did over the last few sure. years, where it exploded and then seems to have come back to earth. Um, okay, let's talk about NIL for a minute. Um, where does this fit in branding with major collegiate institutions that are trying to expand revenue opportunities, obviously for players and obviously for themselves? It's very. It's. A, I was a former student athlete. I played softball at the University of Washington. Go dog. Um, it's. It's very interesting to watch the arc of availability as tools for student athletes to optimize their own name, image, and likeness and sort of watch the, um, the majority, like the majority of the student athletes aren't necessarily able to take advantage of those 1% deals. So when we think about engaging a student athlete population, we want to be a tool that anyone can use. And so on our platform and what we've learned through, you know, customer discovery at the student athlete level is, driving towards what's important for a particular athlete. And in a lot of cases, student athlete affiliations with charity work or their hometown communities is largely overlooked. We think of our platform as an opportunity for them to go remotely be back in their hometown and engage those communities or engage those groups that they, that's important to them. Um, but as, as opposed to a marketplace where student athletes can shop for um, and, and look for deals, we want to put the power back in their hands to say, 
I hit a home run this game. I was a perfect 10 on the balance beam. I scored the winning touchdown. My dynamic performance has the opportunity to generate revenue for me right now. I need a tool that can go ahead and do that. And so we've optimized our platform to be very self-service in that, in that perspective. But it, it, it is a challenge for student athletes to try and identify tools that work for them specifically as opposed to just saying, well, there's not a whole lot of money out there for me to be making. I just yeah. won't engage in this opportunity at all. Yeah. And further, you know, we're in a generation of student athletes that, you know, for 125 years have been told, like, don't do this, right? So I would say that the trend that we should be looking at are high school students right now, knowing that when they go into college, there's going to be a huge opportunity for them to optimize their NIL. And so we have a, a pretty lot of our presence in that capacity. What do you mean by look at high school students? Like they should be viewing opportunity to personal brand themselves in whatever ways are possible as they head towards a collegiate career? It's more of the idea that back when you were recruiting before NIL was an opportunity, the student athletes and how they evaluated where they go and how they, how they market themselves wasn't a part of the equation. Now that it is for high schoolers and where they go for their collegiate career, what are the, what are the going to be the tools and the opportunities that the environments where they can best do so and what are the, and how can they do that once they get to the college level. So they're kind of flipping the script. It was, they had to be found and the really good athletes would be, but like there are others that, you know, needed to push. Now you're saying that script has been flipped because of modern technology. I, I absolutely, I don't know how it, I, you have to look at what, what it used to look like before and the limited availabilities for student athletes to do anything. Now that the rules have changed and there is greater technology to optimize it, the next generation of student athletes that come through are really going to be able to, to exploit that and, and, and do great things for themselves. Uh, let me ask you a little bit about your background because you've worked directly with teams. Um, you were the former vice president of business operations for the New York Rangers. VP of Retention for the Knicks, the Rangers, and the Liberty with Madison Square Garden. You had worked with the formerly Oakland Raiders in the past in ticketing, and you'd worked with the Pac-12 Conference. Could you just kind of take me through what working with the teams and the leagues helped you shape what you how you think about what you're trying to build here? Yeah, and it's funny. I usually refer to myself as the recovering sports executive because <laughs> I, I, I had the great opportunity to work at a number of organizations at different levels. And what, what is true and consistent is this disproportionate amount of attention given on, to the fan in building. And I'm not going to suggest that there shouldn't be attention on driving ticket sales and creating an incredible at-home experience for your fan base. But let's take the NFL just for example. There's only a half a million tickets sold, right, in attendance every year. There's 400 million NFL fans worldwide. You're talking about 95% of that fan base is not going to get to experience all of the effort that's going into an in-game experience. What are you doing to engage these fans so that their loyalty is to a particular brand, not necessarily an individual athlete, right? So throughout my career, and this is true at every level and every every team, is, is looking at the attention that's given and what the best practices are considered. A best practice in fan engagement shouldn't be a best practice for fan engagement in person. It should be a best practice for all global fan engagement. And that's absolutely a part of the thesis for why virtual tables is going after what it's trying to accomplish, what, why we're trying to solve this problem of providing teams with the power and the authority to, and tools to actually go out and deliver meaningful moments as opposed to what exists right now, which are tools that talk at fans, uh-huh. right? You have great streaming services, social media, even compelling merchandise offers are all one-way communication tools at fans. 
there isn't necessarily a two-way communication or two-way engagement that is driving that kind of loyalty or lifetime va- extracting that lifetime value. And furthermore, there's a lot of important data that's lost in terms of understanding what those particular segments want out of their fandom with you. So from my experience, and in in truly my lens in most of the programs I worked for was through a ticketing lens, is to say, well, that's important, but like, there's a whole, there's a whole world of fans that we're not even paying attention to. How can teams engage with that as opposed to just the league level? You know, the the other part too, which I think is interesting, and I don't, I don't think that this is meant to be like in conflict with what the players are able to do, but because social media has kind of opened venues for the players to kind of market themselves, brand themselves in many, many different ways it's kind of loosened, I don't know, the grip of the team and the brand on them as kind of part of their brand, if that makes sense. So is this a little bit of a response to that to say, hey, they are still part of our fold, they are our brand? Yeah, it can be. But I I think when you examine someone's fandom and why they are relating to you, it does go beyond just the win-loss of a particular game. It goes into what are the social justice platforms that, that are being represented or being uh, identified is this a is this a brand and that's true for either a team or an athlete individually that is connecting with me on an emotional level that I can get really charged up about um, did I grow up going to this particular game or did I grow up going and watching this particular athlete those I be, due to the attention given on just driving ticket sales there does seem to be a a lag in brands and teams engaging fans in that capacity it seems to be more through a lens of are these people more likely to buy a ticket from me as opposed to why is this particular fan a fan of us as opposed to a fan of a, of a player? So I don't want it to necessarily be in conflict with it's either you're a fan of a player or a fan of a team. Yeah. You can even talk about it. I'm a fan of the venue. Um, it, it's more about what are the best practices that are working in other areas of fandom and let's make sure that those are applied across the board more economically. Yeah. And so why do you think that that thinking hasn't changed yet because the dollars are obvious and tangible for the people who buy a ticket, walk into the arena, buy a hot dog, buy a t-shirt. And this other things that you're talking about are all prospecting a little bit, correct? Sure. It's for us, whether it's selling hope or selling the idea of access, the idea that the, the premise of going to a game, having a hot dog, having that experience, implies that they that every one of your fans has the opportunity to do so. So what we're suggesting, we're not necessarily negating the fact that there is in-person experiences that are very, very hard to recreate in a virtual setting. We're simply saying that if you, if you look holistically at all of fandom, some of those experiences should be made available, not yeah. just to the person that's able to show up. It's not, for me, it's not in conflict. It's very much complementary and additive to what we consider to be the norm. Let me put, here's a better way of saying it. Strictly taking like an, a live autograph experience and you consider the technological advancements that marketing and sports and fan engagement has had over the last 20, 30 years, the only place you can still get a live autograph is in person. Like that's crazy, right? So there's parts of fandom that have largely just been, well, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah. So let's just keep that on the shelf. And we're suggesting that there, this is an opportunity to identify what those experiences are and make them available to the global base. Yep. Uh, Last thing. All right. So there are a lot of options to express your fandom through many different forums in digital media. Um, The last bastion of this 
it's seemingly being extremely successful and profitable for fans to me seems to be that the whatever you create needs to be engaging and that's the hardest part of the whole thing right the, even if you have this great idea and you put it out there can you get people to want to engage with it and your example of Aaron Judge being there and signing digital autographs seems like a no-brainer but on the run of the mill we want to do this and try to get our fans to show up it's probably a little easier said than done right I would say so. And a part of that is why we want to have conversations like this with you. We want to market the problem better. This is, you know, at, at the team level and certainly at my experience, the, again, the focus was on, well, how do we put butts in seats as opposed to how do we make sure that we're really delivering a lifetime value opportunity to engage all of our fans? So, A, the first hurdle is definitely changing the mindset of the sports executives in the sports world. And this is true at the collegiate level. This is true at any level of what is your global base? Your global base may not be international, but I think you can ask any any pro team, female and male pro team in the U.S., and say, "Have you sold any jerseys outside of the U.S.?" Right. So huh. you have you have some international experience, and what so what are you doing? Are you suggesting that if I sold a jersey in Canada, that that was the life? That's it. I, I they were worth one jersey for me. We're arguing that there's more to be had out of that engagement. So. The first step is definitely to change the mindset. The second part is, is really proving the concept with first adopters and best practice teams that want to try something new. And, you know, are you interested in creating a, fan, a, a panel that's more of a hybrid type of event? Are you interested in, in leveraging your fan base strictly from, for one game in a particular international city? So for us, there is still a little bit of customer exploration to know yeah. what are the types of events out of a meet and greet, a player form, a clinic, uh, or a lecture series, or a full-blown fan fest that are going to resonate with your particular fan base, and at what frequency. I'm not going to, I think it's a little bit asinine to think that somebody's going to want to throw a fan fest every month. Right. But if you have a venue that has the flexibility of doing a series every Monday, an annual fan fest, there's a holiday component, like, we think that there's a lot more to be had here to grow in. Courtney Jeffries is the CEO at Virtual Tables. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.